hymn of um, on the seats called All Hail the Power of Jesus. We've, we've sung this one before, we're going to sing it again. Let's all stand, we sing All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. It's a little bit different from what we have in our hymnal here. message, Lord, this later on. Meet needs, Lord, and uh, we have a lot that we're uh, learning about this morning and during prayer uh, service, Lord, we pray, God, that you would 
meet those needs, Lord, and meet the needs that are here, especially today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, maybe seated. Let's pick up song number, uh, from your hymnal number 402. 402. Faith is a victory. 402.
think I know by now where to push the button to turn it on. Ah, good song, good song. Faith, faith. People make things difficult, don't they? They make things complicated. It's not 90% Jesus, 10% me. It's all faith in what Jesus Christ has done for salvation. If people just believe what the Bible says. By the way, you know that all hail the power of Jesus song, that line where it says, uh, on this terrestrial ball, B-L-L-L, ball. You know what the ball is? Sphere, ball. There are so many people that believe the earth is flat. You might be one of them, I don't know. They're called flat earthers. It's a new phenomenon. It's a movement, it seems like. They have conventions. They have a big following. Flat earthers. I'm learning something from people who are convinced about certain things that they think is true. They believe what they want to believe. Why don't people believe what the Bible says? Amen. Not about the earth being a sphere or a ball, but believe what the Bible says about personal salvation. Right. It's by believing. It's by faith. It's yeah. not by works. Yet the most... The most uh, difficult thing in witnessing the people is that they think they must have a part in it. Like I say, Jesus 90%, they do the 10%. I'll have faith in Jesus plus my own works. That's the biggest handicap, it seems like, for people getting saved. Just believe what the Bible says. Um, many things, many contemporary issues reminds me that people believe what they want to believe. Uh, we don't need fossil fuels. Is that right? Pollution. Is that so? Mount St. Helens blew up. That was pretty bad for a day or two. Then it kind of blew away. Krakatoa, years ago, centuries ago, seemed like, and Vesuvius and whatever eruptions that covered the sky with the ash, and oh no. We can never accomplish that in a man-made way. The pictures, the images of an industry, of a factory with all this pollution, well, it's designed to make you feel like it's like the whole world's going to be this way. Now, whatever, wherever you stand on pollution and environment and green and everything, I like the color green. I like green grass. Imagine if the trees were red all the time. Now, I take it back. In the fall, it's beautiful. Red maples is beautiful. But normally, green grass is good to see. Green trees is good to see. But uh, people believe what they want to believe. Um, it's kind of amazing to me. They will believe everything, but they won't believe what the Bible says about salvation or about spiritual things. It makes me think there's something behind all this stuff so that we get distracted from believing the true and the right things. Don't you figure this to be true, maybe? Oh, amen. I must be right. All right. Now, technology is great. You know that piano is playing over here? That's pretty amazing. A long time ago, with a little uh, upright piano, you couldn't do it. You had to have somebody sitting there doing that. That's kind of nice to just press the button, have it pre-recorded and play. That's kind of nice. Uh, speaking of that, on the website, we are um, doing a members-only kind of section. Art, can you just stand and tell us what to do for us to get onto that part? Uh, you told me, but I wasn't there listening. So can you just explain what members have to do to on the member site to log in to see videos or pictures or see commentary, things like that. What do they have to do? Um, just click on the uh, My Account and it will prompt you to register or log in. So if you are first time um, trying to access that, so you have to register first. 
just supply the email address and your password, any password that you have, and then it will um, it will have to be approved first before they can access the special page for members. Okay. So if you have any questions, see him if you want to access content that are personal only for church members. Okay. Baptism this Saturday at 4 o'clock. There will be so far one adult male and four young people. Uh, so that's coming up Saturday. Pray for those who are getting baptized and then we will introduce them on Sunday. And so pray for that. And uh, possibly another gentleman too that we need to secure or make sure and confirm. Okay. Birthdays are in the bulletin. Anniversaries in the bulletin. Please check that. And we will also be doing online bulletins uh, beginning next Sunday. So you will get one through your email address. And that will be the same thing as the paper version. Um, and so I just hate to waste paper, waste ink. And don't you like to, don't you, don't you just not uh, like to waste things too? I don't waste things a lot. I keep them, I wear them out until the very end. Um, but uh, just to save some expense on paper and ink all that kind of thing email version too and so you get the same thing we'll have some hard copies too available for those who uh, we don't have email addresses for <clears throat> all right let's go to the book of first john chapter two. First john chapter two i was in first john chapter two this morning it's not the same thing but it is in the vicinity first john chapter two <clears throat> now i want to talk about the greatest healing to have the greatest feeling to have. Well, that could be several things, couldn't it? Depends on who you are. Depends on what you think is a great thing. Feelings. Now, everybody has feelings. Uh, we say people do not throw away our feelings or cut our feelings from living just because we're saved people. As a matter of fact, salvation does not change some things. It changes a lot of things. Eternally and now... But some things never change even though you got saved. Number one, your physical being didn't change when you got saved. If you were five feet five and five feet five wide and five feet five, five feet five tall, you still are the same size physically when you got saved. Nothing changed. If your intellect was a certain level, it's still the same. If you have uh, uh, a missing toe, a missing finger, it is still missing when you got saved. Nothing physically changed. Nothing mentally changed. Nothing emotionally changed. You still have feelings even after you got saved. We ought to be cautious about telling people when you get saved, everything is new. That is only a half-truth. You still have feelings. And there are feelings of just great happiness about certain things. I want you to think about this with me today, that uh, we still have feelings. And if it's about this, a particular right thing, you ought to feel really good about this. Certain things to be feeling good about. Well, let me just talk out loud here and get to the real point. I feel good that I'm still married to my wife. She feels good she's still married to me. After all of these years, after four decades and a half, she's still glad that she's married to me. I'm still glad I'm married to her. That makes me happy once in a while. Well, not all the time, but once in a while. But sometimes, because we're human, we're not so happy with each other, but we're still happily married, okay? I'm happy about a lot of different things personally. Uh, but there's one thing that is above everything else that makes me happy, and I feel good about it. What could this be? Jesus. What could this be? Well, 
Feelings are good to have. And when the Bible says we're fearful and wonderful, it includes our feelings, our emotions, our being. So it's not just the physical aspects of things, but it is also the emotional aspects of things. We are made to have feelings. Emotions is a part of our makeup. This is a given, this is obvious, but sometimes we think, well, we're supposed to be almost robotic. Speaking of that, robots are taking over everything, it seems like. I heard about robotic surgeries. And I'm thinking, eee, that's kind of nervous. Makes me nervous. Robotic surgeries, you program, but it's all computerized. Certain procedures do certain things. I'm not sure, Carmen, if you're your area at, at, at the hospital, you've done that yet, but um, I don't know. If I go to the dentist, I don't want no robot working on my mouth. Because if I jiggle or wiggle, what's the robot gonna do? Do the program into the computer? This this guy's a scaredy cat. He doesn't like to open his mouth, doesn't like things going down over here, propping it open for x-rays. This guy's gonna gag. What's the robot gonna do when I gag? Will it tie me down? You know, that makes me nervous. I want a real person, I can say, ah, ah, ah. So they tell it, you know, I, I want that human touch. But that's the way things are going now with technology. Now, uh, Feelings, emotions. The worst advice someone can get is let your heart guide you. Worst advice. Worst advice is let your feelings guide you. Worst advice you can ever give to a graduating student, graduating speech, let your heart guide you. Be what. That's the worst thing, first of all, because though emotions and feelings are good, if you only go by emotions and feelings, you've been making big mistakes. You cannot trust your feelings and your emotions. They will mislead you. One day you're feeling so good, Next, after, next day, you're feeling so lousy. There was a girl in college. She was an art major. Her name, her name was Nancy Zubar. And she's a real good chalk, pastel, pencil artist. But one second semester, she was so wiped up because she was on a work scholarship plan. And so fulfilling so many hours of work for the school while being a full-time student. Uh, by the end of the second semester, time to commit to next, the coming year, things like that. And I asked her, are you going to be here next year? She said, I don't know. I'm so tired. At that moment, she didn't feel like she was going to come back for the next year. I said, I'm so tired. But two weeks afterwards, so what, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah, I'm going to sign up again. Her, her, her feelings changed because she got some sleep. And so you can't trust your feelings. It'll, it'll deceive you a lot of the times. I used to love him. Well, I don't love me anymore. There's a reason. There's reason why. Well, how's things going? Not so good. What's up? Uh, I don't think I love my wife anymore. Really? How long have you been married? Eighteen years. Can you tell me anything? Wait, what's 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 going on? I don't know. Just you know, after eighteen years, you know, kind of feelings feelings change. Uh, there's that word. Feelings change. I don't feel the same anymore. Well, there's something going on. I don't feel the same anymore. I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel the same. Anymore. Feelings, if you go on by your feelings, you make big mistakes. Make big mistakes. You buy things you shouldn't buy. You leave people you shouldn't leave. You make decisions you're gonna regret. And so feelings are good if it's because of the right things. I wanna tell you this morning, there's a great feeling to have. This could be the greatest feeling of all. Would you guess what it is? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's about the forgiveness of sins. Having your sins forgiven. That's the greatest feeling of all. To know that your sins are forgiven. Now there's a backdrop to all of this. 
Because forgiveness means something was wrong, something bad happened. Number one, the backdrop. Forgiveness means something wrong happened, something bad happened. Therefore, it necessitated forgiveness. Minor failures, forgetfulness. Oh, I hate when someone tells me, oh, I forgot. I hate when I say I forgot. Um, I was going down to the harbor yesterday, passed out tracks to the fishermen, and then I took home on a Wednesday night, bag of tracks. Some of them were bagged and identified as a certain language, and I didn't check it carefully. And I thought I had a variety of tracks. But when Saturday morning came, I thought, hey, uh, it was too late for me to check, I checked too late. I should check early in the week. I should check Friday, Wednesday when I picked up the track. It had only one title. There's not enough to give the, the boats. I wanted to have at least four different titles of different languages where the fishermen come from. Uh, tracks in their native tongue. So we had to reroute and do something else. Pass out English tracks in the downtown area. And so I felt really bad and it affected others who uh, was looking forward to doing that. That was a minor forget kind of thing. And somebody could have held a grudge against me. I don't know anybody would, but that could have happened because I perhaps let them down and I would have had to say, oh, I'm sorry, because I, I transgressed. That's minor. In your home, domestically, you can have conflict in your home because of forgetting things. Now, all of us don't want to be mean, right? Unless you really want to be mean on purpose, but we get mad not because we plan to, but because we were offended by somebody forget to do something for us or something wasn't done. You didn't pay the bill. I thought you paid the bill. Oh man, how long is it? Two weeks? We're going to face a penalty because of that now. Well, who wants to have that happen? So the guy, the husband gets mad about that. He's upset. So when that happens, because somebody forgetting something, this is relatively small. But when that happens, there is a, a friction and there is some, some bad feelings between two people. Somebody forgot something, therefore that person will say, I'm sorry. But you're not ready to say, I forgive you because it was a big deal. You lost 40 bucks because of a late fee. Well, who wants to do that? Uh, I've had in my life with my wife married all of these years, maybe uh, seven times where we had to pay a late fee on a credit card or something. Or something because um, something wasn't done. It was her fault. It was. It wasn't my fault. She's a smart one. I'm not. She's a real smart person, the detailed person. And so about seven times in 45 years, she's forgotten to do something where it now resulted in a fine of, you know, $7 or $12 or whatever it was at the time. I'd have to call and beg mercy and say, you know, you know our history. You can see from our history on your computer that we never, we're never late on anything. And so I've got it relieved, which is great. But, but the fact that she forgot something made me real upset. And then afterwards, um, she would say, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm not ready to forgive her. Because I'm still boiling. Because I'm losing out $40 unnecessarily. I can't just throw a $40 like that out the window. $40 here, $40 there. That's, I can't do that. And so afterwards, I apologize for being mad. <laughs> so she transgressed against me. And I transgressed. So, so the best feeling in the world, the best feeling between two people is, you know that you're forgiven. You know that somebody has forgiven you of a transgression. And there's a real feeling of peace and happiness and contentment and security all those things come together because there is forgiveness forgiveness is what we need first john 2 12 says this i run unto you little children because your sins are forgiven 
for his name's sake. Now come with me to Ephesians, two passages in Ephesians, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 4. Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 4. We do have feelings, ladies and gentlemen, and it'll always be with us. And we need to be cautious about how we express our feelings. And one of the greatest feelings to have in this lifetime is to know that we are forgiven. All right, Ephesians 1, 7, very quickly, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. We have the forgiveness of sins. Come now to chapter 4 of Ephesians. And verse number 32. At the end of this chapter, a lot of good verses in chapter 4. Very practical chapter. Verse number 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now what you see from these three passages, you see this reality that it is very possible for a man for a woman, for a transgressor, to be forgiven. You don't have to go through life wondering if you are forgiven by God. He tells you in these three Bible verses that your sins are forgiven, you have forgiveness of sins, forgive one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Forgiveness is a reality for the Christian. The moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, you are forgiven of your sins. You're so forgiven of sins that God sees you as righteous, as justified, as holy as His Son is holy by position. Practically, you're still sinful. You're in the flesh. But by position, what God sees in us when we receive His Son and trust in Him for salvation, we are totally clean. Totally clean. Here is totally clean. Homemade remedy here. Concoction. This board is now clean of any black mark, is wiped clean. They say the slate is wiped clean, and that's very true when it comes to sins being forgiven. Do you know that when you trust Christ as your Savior, God does some great things to you and for you that you may not even realize, but one thing you realize, the one thing that you feel is that you have been relieved of this big load of sin. Now, how many sins have you and I committed before we got saved? Uh, anybody here got a phone that can do some calculations? Well, let me just see. Uh, Arb, would you get your phone up, please? Calculator mode. He don't need one. He's so smart, but just to be sure. Let's calculate the number of sins. Okay. Paul has sinned one time a day, which is kind of conservative. One sin times seven days is seven sins. Seven sins in a week times four weeks, that's 28 sins in a month, times 12, comes out to how many? 336. 336 sins in a year. That's just in a year. That's just one sin. That's plenty of sins. Let's multiply that by 10 years. I'll write this down, hold it against him. 3,360. 3,360 sins if he sinned just once a day. That's a lot of sins against God. Let's make this transgressions of the law. Let's make this speeding tickets. 
They're going to throw you in prison for that. You are wanted. There's a warrant out for your arrest. That's a big deal right over here. Whoa, boy. You're in deep water. You're in big, big trouble with the law. Now, can you imagine all of those being relieved? Go to court. And for some strange anomaly, it's been relieved. Wipe clean. You have your slate wipe clean. You say, oh, I was expected to pay thousands and thousands of dollars facing incarceration if I couldn't pay. And all of a sudden, the judge says, all right, sir, I don't know how this happened, but all these fines that you have of 3,360 fines, they see the total amount is $35,000, but um, it's, been, it's been paid for. You don't have to pay for it. Go home. Be careful from now on, but there's no balance in your account. You are free to go, sir. There's no, there's no warrant for your arrest anymore. You're, it's been paid for by somebody else. You walk out there, how do you feel? Oh, you have no feelings, I know. Just walk out there like a robot. I am free from 3,500, I am free, I am free, I am free. I go home, I go home, I go home, eat. I have no, 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 you're happy, you're jumping up and down. It's not, oh, I wish I had a Toyota. It's something you just, you're happy. You tell people about that. It's a great feeling to know that your sins are forgiven. No matter how quiet you are, no matter how timid and shy you are, if you don't have to pay that financial debt, you'll be happy about that. You tell somebody about that. You can't keep it to yourself. You go on Twitter, Facebook. Guess what happened? It doesn't matter who you are. Well, even I might do that if I had a Twitter account. I might even broadcast things. I'm just simply saying the backdrop of forgiveness means you have sinned against somebody, you've transgressed, and when you have been given forgiveness, it's a good feeling. The animosity, the strife, the Bible calls it enmity in Ephesians 2 between you and God. That has been relieved. That has been dissolved. It's gone. No more. That's a good feeling. Well, let me make a human. I did try to make a human by putting a dollar value to these sins, tickets, fines. I'm not sure if I'm getting through to you. So let me just say it in a different way. You're on a team. I was on a team, a church softball team one time. This church had a softball team. We were in a softball league, played different churches, played for summer months, two months, and we played everybody. And it was kind of fun, but it wasn't fun. And there were some people on the team, uh, I mean, long time ago, they were after blood. They were playing for blood. They think this was professional baseball, it was not. And whenever somebody made a mistake, they were yelled at, they were screamed at, they were harassed. I mean, they were, I mean and really, it was horrible. It was very unchristian, the behavior of these men playing softball. Some, some, you know, it's all volunteers. Volunteers, they don't know how to play. They don't know how to swing a bat. They don't know how to feel the ball. They don't know what to do, but they wanted to participate. And so you had some good players, you had some pretty bad players. That's how it always is. And so if you have a small church, you have a small group to pull from. And so you play whoever just to fill the team roster. And so, boy, there were some angry words spoken. There were some animosity and resentment. And I remember one time, this, this one guy who, he was the type that he had to have the best equipment. He bought him these aluminum-based softball bats online. I mean, these bats were like near-professional 
type of bats that professional softball players play and use. These bats cost $325, one cost $600, and it was just, I mean, it was, it was monogrammed, it was like, oh, it was beautiful. And he had the whole outfit and everything. He was just really overdressed. But that's the mentality that he had. And he was reliving a youth that he never had. And when someone didn't fulfill what he thought they should feel, he got in their face. And he got so bad that there was this strife on the team between this guy and another guy. And they would not talk. For eight years, they would not talk. This guy was so hurt, so offended. He said, okay, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you. And this guy said, this guy, he shouldn't get into that. They would go back and forth. But this guy kept silent. For the whole eight games, he didn't talk to him. Ten-game season, for eight games, never talk at all. They used to talk a lot. They used to go to each other's aisles and have fellowship and do this and do that, but no more. That baseball thing caused a real strike between the two because this guy could not forgive this guy because he couldn't play up to his expectations. It was horrible. Christian fellowship. Oh, how sweet. The, you know, I mean, just... It was not at all. What should have been just for an outlet for men to get together, it was a real, it was a real uh, ugly, ugly, very, very bad thing. Finally, I said, you know what? We're not going to play this. This is, this is crazy. This is not worth it. So we just disbanded the whole thing. It wasn't worth the arguing and strife because this unforgiveness going on by, by this guy. It was like that. It's a horrible feeling when there's no forgiveness. On the other hand, it's a great feeling when there is forgiveness between people. Okay? Most of all, between you and God. God has forgiven you because of the blood of Christ. Because of that, He lifted you with favor. He lifted you. You're at peace with Him. He's at peace with you. There's no animosity. There's no enmity. There's no strife. Everything's good. You should like me say, Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. All my sins are gone. That's a real great feeling. Have you ever transgressed against your spouse in minor things or maybe in serious things and there is this broken fellowship and there is this hostility there there is this cold shoulder there is this coldness there where you're at the dinner table and you just sit across from each other let's see you don't have any kids and it's like it's a real quiet dinner and you're eating there's no conversation there's no niceness there's just coldness well there's something going on between there's unforgiveness likely because somebody's transgressed and there's no forgiveness. There's no asking for forgiveness and there's no receive, receiving of forgiveness. He may have asked for forgiveness, but she still has not forgiven him. It's a real bad feeling. And then when there's kids after a few years, there's something going on and then, uh, you know, kids can kind of smell it because they can see it. Pass the salt, please. Thanks. No, you're welcome. Just pass the pepper, please. I mean, it's just, and, and kids are going like this. They're thinking, well, they don't know what to think. What's going on? They don't know what's going on between their parents, or something's going on. They can sniff it out, but they don't know what it is. Well, the parents know what it is. There's no forgiveness between them because the transgression has not been forgiven, and, and so on. It's a hard feeling, but it's a good feeling, this forgiveness. One time there was a couple that had some real serious problems. He was in the wrong, and then it was brought to my attention, and nobody that you all know in this church, it was somebody else that somehow I got pulled into it. And so wanting to help, I got involved, and um, I hoped I helped. And this was over 25 years ago, and so uh, I thought I helped him. And so um, 
followed up and they seem to be happy. They're holding hands and they're smiling at each other. They're kissing each other, hello, goodbye kind of thing. So that was a good thing, good signs. And I say, well, how's it going? They said, oh, we're great. I said, okay, uh, looks great. Y'all lovey-dovey, huggy-huggy and holding hands, things like that, you know, cute little things. I said, everything looks good, I think. Is it? Yeah. I asked her, I said, how's it with you? Because he was the offender. She was the offended. I said, how's things with you? Oh, it's good. And I asked him, and how's it going with you? She says, it's good. Is it good? She, he says, yeah, it's good. He smiled, it's good. And I asked, I asked both of them, well, can, how do I know that things are good between you? You're saying something that I like to hear, but how do I know that's good between two? And then he says, oh, it's good between us. And you know, the look, the expression, the, all that thing reflected to me that there was genuine forgiveness. And because of that, there was this harmony and peace and good, all this. There's nothing like the feeling that you've been forgiven. And between you and God, when you get saved, there's nothing like the feeling to know that God has forgiven you from these three references in the Bible, that you've been forgiven. That's a great feeling. It's all clean now. No grudges hold against, held against you. It's a good feeling. And so that's the backdrop of forgiveness. Something was wrong, something bad happened, and uh, we have sinned against God. And do you know that the Bible says that we have sinned against thee and against thee only? And that's about David. David sinned against God, but he also sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Now, there's a real sad background to that story, as you may know. But it does say he has sinned, David confessed he has sinned against thee and thee only have I sinned. Sinning against God, that's a grievous thing. You know that in Matthew 27, come over there with me. In Matthew 27, when there is sin, God does not take it like the world takes it. The world takes sin like, yeah, yeah, right, what's the big deal? Huh, so what, you know, what? don't, don't, it's not a federal case. What a, it's not a big deal. Sin. What? Adultery. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? We're just living together. What's the big deal? Well, you know, we're adulting. You know, we'll do what we want. What's the big deal? And many other things. The world just mocks it. But look at what the Lord says about sin and how he, how he views sin. Now, Matthew chapter 27. There are seven things the Lord said from the cross. There's two things I'd like to present to you. In Matthew 27, look at verse number 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, why do you think Jesus said that from the cross? Father, why, why have you forsaken me? You know, this is the first time he said that. Anytime he, we read about the father speaking about his son at his baptism and in Matthew 17 when he was transferred between those choice disciples of his, the voice from heaven was heard, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There was never a time in eternity or on earth where the son of God was displeasing to his father. But now on the cross he says, why have you forsaken me? What's all that about that the father forsook his son? Did he really forsake his son literally? What's going on here? Let's see something else to try to clarify that. Uh, come to, um, let's see, I want to come to uh, Luke. Luke chapter 24. 
23, Luke 23. He said in Matthew 27, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Luke 23 is connected to what he said in Matthew 27. Luke 23, verse number 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, when he said, Father, forgive them, it's because Jesus was doing something so that his Father could forgive them, the world that was crucifying him. The nation of Israel in particular, and by extension, the whole world's sins was upon Jesus Christ. Uh, he did not become sin, but he bore the sins of everyone upon himself. And when he bore the sins of the world upon himself, and when he says, why hast thou forsaken me? It's almost like saying that the sins that he was bearing upon him are so grotesque, so, so, so vile. How can I expect his father turn his face from him and in a sense forsook him because of the, the hideousness of sin upon him? There are some things that you and I would not look at or hear because it is so vile. Um, there are some things that just turns my stomach, and I don't want to even think about that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the Lord doesn't want us to think about things done in secret because they are so, they're so vile, so wrong, and so wicked that it, it troubles us emotionally and, and, and in other ways too. It lingers with us. We, we get flashbacks. We see things and remember things we don't want to think about because we saw something so, so bad. I think it's to say that the father saw his son bearing the sins of the world, which was the plan, but he didn't, he, he forsook him in the sense that because of what he was bearing our sins upon himself. So the perfect son of God, the holy son of God, the righteous son of God took upon himself the sins of everyone. And it was just like, a, if I can say it, a sight so he, he, did, he couldn't look for that moment. So... They're connected. The forgiveness uh, of sins, the bearing of our sins. He did say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They are connected. Because of his substitutionary death, taking our sins upon him, compelled the Father to not look at him for a moment. But because of that, he can offer forgiveness. Now let's think about that. What did he forgive them of? Well, they nailed him to the cross, him, Jesus to the cross. They scourged him before that. They spat on him, plucked his beard, jammed the crown of thorns upon his head. And they did all these things uh, uh, toward an innocent man. And so all these, the hatred, the hatred of the devil and the world was put upon him. And he suffered like no man could ever suffer in this life as a human. And yet he still said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Well, there's a lot of things in that they know not what they do. They didn't really know what they're doing to who they were doing it to, the Son of God, and the long-range uh, consequences of that are blood be upon us. We well, yes, it would be down the road for centuries, but they could not imagine what they were doing to him. Well, they rejected him, the Messiah, the Savior. They rejected him, but they also physically abused him and did all kind of vile things toward him, not only in word but in deed. 
And so forgive them, Lord, for these things. Forgive them for their sins that they have done. I'm bearing their sins. Lord, forgive them. You know what I'm learning from what he said here on the cross? That there's no sin that you can commit that God cannot forgive. Except one. It's not the blessing of the Holy Spirit. That's not possible today. But the one sin probably that, not probably, let me correct myself. The one sin that he would not forgive is the sin of rejecting him. And you die without Christ. That is not going to be reverted. It cannot be undone. If you reject Christ as your Savior, and you leave this physical world, and you die, and you're a goner, you're no longer alive, you have died without receiving Christ, you've rejected him, that can never be undone. You are locked in for eternity. You cannot be forgiven at the great white throne judgment. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I believe now. Too late. That cannot happen to anybody. So that rejection, that sin of not repenting, of rejecting Christ, and not coming to Him by faith, that cannot be forgiven once you die. There's no such thing as a second chance in eternity. No such thing. There's so many things in this life that reminds us there's no second chance. Once it's done, it's done. And then you wish you hadn't done it, but it's done. You know, you pull that trigger, a bullet's going to come out of that chamber. And once it's pulled, you cannot unpull it. Once that shot is made, it is done. Once you point that rifle, you point that gun, once you pull that trigger, the bullet's going to fly, and someone's going to get hurt, someone's going to die. At that moment, you pull that trigger, you see, you can say, oh, no, I, I, I didn't mean it. You pull the trigger. You cannot read... You cannot bring back that bullet. Action, reaction. That's the physics of the thing. And someone is dead now. You could be very sorry in court. You say, oh, I'm sorry. Anything you want to say? The judge says, yeah, I'm really sorry. You're sorry, but you pull the trigger and it's done. That person's gone forever. You have grieving parents. They'll never see their son or daughter again because you pulled the trigger. All I'm trying to explain is that once it's done, it's done. And when you leave this world without Jesus Christ, it's done it's done, it's done. You cannot change that. The only thing that will happen next is what the Bible says. You cannot change what the Bible says. It's fixed. But there is forgiveness for sins. No matter if it be 3,360 at a minimum, it could be a gross sin, it could be a huge sin, you could be doing something that you think is unforgivable. But not to God. We are forgiven of our sins because of the blood of Christ. Thank God for that. Now, the cross shows that sins must be punished. Sins must be punished. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says this, For Christ hath once suffered for sins, but just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Well, that's a great verse, 1 Peter 3.18. It tells us that the Lord did what was necessary, what the Father required, to have pardon, to have absolution, to have forgiveness of sins. My sins are not held against me because I've done the one thing that God required for me to have forgiveness. I've trusted Jesus Christ. His blood has washed away my sins. I am clean before God. I am free to go. There's no charge against me. There's no warrant out for me. There's no animosity, there's no enmity between me and God. I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven. What a great feeling. Makes even a Chinaman smile. As a matter of fact, before the cross, Jesus told his disciples in, at the Last Supper, Matthew 26, 
he said this in verse number 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Remission is pardon, absolution, forgiveness. He says, I'm going to be crucified just a little bit. It's for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. Everyone needs forgiveness. And everyone needs to be forgiven and be free from the guilt of sin, the penalty of sin, and to be pronounced legally, judicially, we are pardoned from the penalty of sin. It happens when we accept Christ as our Savior. It's as simple as that, because he did the, the sacrificial work on the cross. In Hebrews 10, he tells us that he will remember our sins no more, verses 16 through 18, which is a great feeling. Let me tell you this. Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. This is why we insist as Christians, this is why the New Testament insists that Jesus Christ is the only one that can forgive sins. Because he's the only one who died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. That's to say no other man in this world, no matter who they are, religiously, they cannot absolve us of our sins. They cannot declare us free of sin and of guilt. Nobody can do that. No institution or religion can do that. Everyone that needs forgiveness should not go to a man for forgiveness. Whether it be behind a door, Father, I have sinned. Not necessary. You don't confess to a man. Not necessary. No man can forgive another man for sins if it is transgressed against God. You can forgive someone if it's transgressing against you, but not against God. That's between him and God. And so we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I run to you little children, First John says again, because your sins are forgiven, all my sins are forgiven. That's a good feeling. Now, thank God I have no personal debt. We use our credit card, rack up the mileage and all that kind of thing, but uh, we always pay our balances off every month. We have zero balance every time. It's a good feeling. Long time ago, my wife and I would use our credit cards, Sears card, oh brother, Sears card, and uh, sale on, on men's shirts, sale on clothing, we just charge it, oh no, no problem, then it adds up, pretty soon you get into debt. You have a balance over there, well the percentage interest is only 14%, not too bad, now it's what, 18, 19, 24%, whatever it is, it'll kill you to carry a debt. So the best thing to do is pay off your credit card every month. If you can't pay it every month, that means you're spending too much every month. So have some brains about this and not overspend and not have a debt to carry. So pay it off. We, we don't have any credit card debt. What a good feeling that is. We get our statements about mid-month. Yeah, whatever cards we have. No balance. We pay it off. We pay it off. Good feeling. I'd be really upset if I'm the one charged something, you know, and what is this? Oh man, I'd be mad. But I'd be more mad at both of us and myself and her too, if we carry the balance, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. But there's a good feeling we get, ah, sit down on our couch, get our ice cream out, put coffee flakes on it, get some walnuts, some sunflower seeds or something, and eat ice cream in peace and harmony because our, our we have no debts. Not a good feeling. We have no sins to account for. Now, that is the two you and God. Now, here's what to do when you sin today as a Christian. 
when you sin today as a Christian, so far I've talked about once and for all settled sins are wiped away, gone, because you've trusted in Christ. But now on earth, you still live here, you still sin, don't you? Raise your hand if you still sin today. I'm not looking. Are you still sin? All right, you still sin because you are still a sinner, and sinners do one thing, come now, it's we sin. A dog acts like a dog because it's a dog. So we sin because we're sinners. And when we sin as believers, what do we do? Number one, panic. Oh no, God's going to un unsave me. I'm gonna, he's going to unfriend me. <laughs> unfriend me. He's going to unfriend me. Delete me from his hard drive as one of the redeemed in his book of life. No. You know why? Because John 10, 28 tells us, you have been given this thing called eternal life. And you will never perish. Let's believe what the Bible says. So you have eternal life. Your sins are all gone. But on earth, you still sin. What do you do? Well, the solution to that is real simple. And I know this is kind of elementary. But you run. You run to that. First uh, John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, it says, from all unrighteousness. You know what that verse is telling you, telling me? God is faithful to wipe away the sins that you're confessing today. You might have to confess seven times today. Oh, fine. The Lord is not limited in how He forgives His children any more than your parents are limited in how they forgive you. You know, kids get forgiven so many times in a day. The kids don't even understand what's going on. And if they, if if the parents were wise, they'd keep a track of uh, up to they were eight years old, and then show it to them when they're nine, and say, "You see this list here? That's many times me, Dad, forgave you when you're growing up. Look at that. Kiss my foot. <laughs> Tell me you appreciate me, kid. Look at the sins I've forgiven you. That'd be a good thing to show them appreciation for how gracious you are, and how gracious God is, really. So you ask the Lord to forgive you. You confess it." And you acknowledge it. That's what that is. And so you forgive. Uh, you get forgiveness from the Lord. Now, let me end by saying this. When it comes to forgiveness, oh, good feeling, great feeling, great feeling that God has forgiven me. Oh, good feeling that we have the peace between uh, me and my spouse or the kids or whoever else, man to man, people to people on this level. That's a good feeling. But what happens when people are not so forgiving? Come down to, again, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll end here. Ephesians chapter 4. I did say earlier that this chapter, chapter 4, leading up to verse number 32, has so many practical references, verses about the Christian life. It speaks so much about forgiveness. And if you come down to verse number 20, um, 26. 26. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Well, it'll happen every day with you and your spouse or your kids if you don't have forgiveness. Your day's going to end very bad, bad feelings, if there's no forgiveness before you go to bed. Let not the sun Why should you be wrathful if you've forgiven the transgressor? You shouldn't be holding a grudge against your wife or your husband or your kids if you have forgiven them. Kids should not be angry at their parents when they go to bed because you didn't get your way. There should be forgiveness. Verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needed. Now you're going to see the pattern here of swapping. Don't do, do this instead. 
That's the pattern here in this chapter. It's a, it's a swap. Don't sin, don't steal, rather work with your own hands. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but there's a swap, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. I, I gotta tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, that Christians sometimes get so, so worldly, so carnal, the things that come out of our mouth, uh, even preachers, some of them, they say foul things in the pulpit that is just not good for anybody to hear, but in the name of being re relating to the people, being on their level, they, they, they cuss and they say things that you shouldn't say. They say, they use gutter talk, they shouldn't do that. Corrupt communication, instead words that are edifying, that minister grace to the hearers, verse 30. And also about kids, let me say this about kids. Parents should not be talking to the kids in a rude, crude, um, discouraging, demeaning, put down, harsh way. We all have experiences of hearing people say things to their kids on a ball field, in the mall, and it's embarrassing where they just holler and scream and act really like a monster to the kids. You know it does something to the kids to hear talk like that toward them. You, and I'm not gonna repeat it, but you know what I'm talking about. It just, it just pushes kids down into the ground. It just destroys them in many ways. No self-control. Verse number 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby they, uh, ye are sealed unto the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. How is that going to happen? How is that going to happen? How does a man stop talking that way or thinking that way toward his wife or toward his kids, toward his neighbor or whoever, if he doesn't forgive them? Well, I don't know. Look at verse 32. Uh, 32. And be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. How can that happen? How can someone be kind to people who treat them wrongly? Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. You know, I like the word tenderhearted. I like tender beef, tender steak, but not. I, I'm not so tenderhearted myself in my flesh. I, I don't know you that much, although I know you, but really, I don't think I'm so tenderhearted naturally. I have to work at it. I have to, I have to drum it up. I have to do something to be tender-hearted. I have to, the Lord has to work on me to be tender-hearted. I'm not tender-hearted by nature. But it says to be tender, how can I be tender-hearted to people that I don't like? Or people that have offended me or, or done me wrong, so-called. But it says to be tender-hearted. Now look at this. Ay, ay, ay. Verse 32. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted. Look at that next part. Verse 32. Forgiving one another. You know who the one another's are that has to be forgiven? It's like the ones in verse 32 and uh, 31 and 30 and all those who have done wrong, uh, maybe not to you directly, but probably some of this stuff is toward you. You have to forgive them, which would then cause you to be tenderhearted, cause you to be kind to another. Now, wait a minute now, Lord, I don't think this Bible verse should be here in the Bible. I think this is a mistrend. I think this is wrong. They came from the wrong Greek manuscript. It shouldn't be here. This one came from the Vatican. This came from Vatican Sinaiticus. It didn't come from the Texas Receptor. It should be here. No, it's there because it's supposed to be there. And it does say what it says to me, the Christian, and to you, the Christian. And so in verse 32, this is the key verse. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Okay, that's hard, but now I can understand. The next phrase, I can understand why it can be forgiven to one another. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. 
Why does the Bible, why do I have to obey the Bible? Why do I have to read that? Why must that verse be in there? It should be for you folks, not for me, but it's for me too. It's telling me I need to forgive those who have mistreated me like the Lord forgave me for mistreating him. But that's not fair, Lord, because it was the Jews who crucified you. It wasn't me. Well, don't get so smart with me, the Lord tells me. He says, listen, you have sinned against me. You deserve to die. The wage of sin is death. I don't, you're not dead yet because I kept you alive because I have forgiven you of your sins. I've absolved you of that. You cleaned you for me. And you have been forgiving. You have been forgiven daily because you've asked for forgiveness. Why can't you forgive somebody like I forgave you? You know what my argument is? You don't understand what they did to me. Have you ever said that to God? You haven't? Do you have any feelings? Uh, I would like to think that there's humanity in this room, safe people in this room. But have you ever said to yourself, you don't know what he's done to me? You think he's such a good guy, but if you only knew what I know about this man, you wouldn't think he's such a good guy. Well, I don't want to know, really. None of my business. Well, Pastor, if you knew him like I knew him, I know him, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't. Well, maybe so, but I don't want to know. Doesn't God know? Well, if you knew her, you would never have her do anything in church because she is, well, wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. Has not the Lord forgiven us of all sins? Or only some sins? And have you not transgressed against the Lord and grieved Him? Since you've been saved? A little bit? Somewhat? A lot? Too much to remember? Can you imagine if you have to write down every sin you commit against the Lord since you've been saved? You'd run out of paper. You probably couldn't. You'd have to, every five minutes, okay, write this down. Okay, that's number 575. Okay, next 10 minutes, okay, that's. You'd have to do that if you had to come through every sin you did against God since you've been saved. He doesn't require that of you. He just requires you to confess it and forsake it. And, you know, he's, he's forgiven you. And yet you can't forgive someone that has hurt your feelings. They gossip about you. They said things about you on the job. They said things about you personally. And they, they kept you from getting this position. And um, you don't look so good in front of the other people's eyes because of what they said. Forgiving one another, even as... Uh, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you that's the reason the basis for me needing to forgive somebody who has hurt me when you don't forgive someone what happens to you <coughs> what happens to you if you don't forgive someone who has really hurt you I'm talking about Real hurts, real offenses, real bad things that happen to you. You know, I know a man that lived in Wamanalo. His mother's being cared for by his brothers, two brothers. And there was a big account. She was on uh, assistance or no, she was on SS. And uh, you know that she had quite a few dollars in her bank account. You know that the two boys in charge of taking care of appliances, the property, yard work, all those kind of things, just do that. They had access to the account. They could take up money. 
to pay for these expenses for the house, upkeep of the house. Do you know that over a period of years, they pilfered money from their own mother? 25 here, 30 here, 50 dollars here. Pretty soon they get to the hundreds. And pretty soon, the refrigerator goes out and then there's no money for it in the account. There's a shock, there's a revelation, there's a shock, there's anger, there's arguments between three brothers, there's fights going on near, nearly coming to blows because those who had the responsibility were stealing money from their own mother. You wouldn't think people would do that, but you just don't know human nature. And so there's a real confrontation, there's bitterness for months. Finally, the, the brother who was the, the clean one, the one who was not even involved in all this dealing, he finally had to forgive his brothers because it was eaten up on him on the inside. He lost weight, um, couldn't enjoy his life, things were just cranked with him. He was just, he was on the edge all the time, sour, had no good fellowship with his wife. It, it was just bad all around because he was getting real bitter. He could not forgive them. I never talked to him. But within him and the Lord, from what I understand from what he says, he actually began to forgive them for what they did against their mother, his mom. And when she started to truly forgive them, he began to be able to eat better again, sleep better again. He was eating him up. He was destroying him from the inside, his bitterness toward his brothers. I think, though he didn't say, he must have come to the conclusion that he had to forgive them as God for Christ's sake had forgiven him. Now what is it that people have done to you? You don't have to tell anybody. The Lord knows about it already. But if you are to have some kind of peace, you have to have a Christ-like kind of forgiveness toward the person who was offended you, cheated you. Um, <clears throat> I have been part of the illustration I have been defrauded twice monetarily by people that I put my trust in. Um, one time I was an inmate. I was foolish enough to let him borrow money from me and to start the business. The second time was uh, not one time, one time. But uh, it really hurt me because I really thought this guy was sincere. I wanted to believe him. And I did pray about it, but my feelings got the better part of the judgment part. And I did try to get someone else involved to get their opinion about, you think this is a good idea? They agreed with me too. This other guy agreed with me. So I did it based on that. I should have gone a little, little further, but uh, I wasn't careful enough. So I lost out $800. Back then it was a lot of money, still is a lot of money. And I never did pay me back. Never did return calls. Went down to the place where you supposed to hit get up a shop not even there anymore the guy did a good scam of me so I got burned on that one and for a while I was really sorry against all inmates they're all scammers that's why they're in prison well after nearly 30 years I've become wiser and less uh, so open and you know off. but you know I had to after I learned to forgive let me tell you another story to help you to understand that we have to all learn to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. I was um, uh, working with uh, another man and I was his assistant, I was his associate and all that kind of thing, principal of Christian school, and uh, things were going bad. Um, 
I don't know what's going on, but things are going bad. And, um, you know, there was gossip about me and my wife. You know Miranda, don't you? I mean, really, she's not, she's not a troublemaker. I think you know me as well. But we were gossiped about by the pastor and his wife and his two teenage girls. And they caused me great distress and my wife great distress. And uh, it was one of those brutish kind of a things. Uh, I'm a very loyal man. I, I stick to, you know, uh, principle, I believe. And I, I'm not, you know, a fly by night, fickle kind of thing. I, I stick things out. And, uh, but we finally had to leave because the emotional distress, the suspicious way of things going on, uh, the animosity, the feeling that not being able to talk things out was, you know, it's just, I felt like that was uh, stonewalled from trying to get some explanation of things. But anyway, everything was my fault. That was the accusation. My wife was at fault, but not as much as I was at fault. And so we finally had to leave that scene and get away from that thing. And it was so bad that I thought, you know, I'm never going to get involved in Christian ministry again. I hate this. I hate the way people treat me. I hate the way Christians are. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. I hate, I hate, I hate. And we were just through sorry people for several months. Now I'm doing all these things because this is looking back and it's all done with now. It's over. Been over for a long time. Been done with decades. It's over. We're not feeling like that. But there was a stretch of time where we were both so mad, so bitter, and so, the word is hateful, toward people that mistreated us. I mean, really, me, I'm an angel, right? Me, mistreated, unbelievable. Okay, well, it did happen. It did happen. And uh, uh, got over it. You know how I got over it? Joseph. Genesis 39, uh, Genesis 40, through the end of the book of Genesis, was reading through the book of Joseph, and it dawned on us one day, months after the event, that that experience, how Genesis 45, 10, God meant it for good, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Genesis 50, almost the same wording there. As Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, he said, you, you brothers meant to kill me. You threw me in a hole, meant me to die. You lied to daddy. That code many called the blood on the thing. You deceived him. You rotten people. You rotten brothers of mine. But when it came time for him to show who he was while he was in power in Egypt, there was no animosity in his part. There's no hate in his voice. There's just a lot of crying because he's happy to see them alive. You know what happened to Joseph? I think what happened to Joseph was, even though Jesus was not in the altar, I think Joseph was able to forgive his brothers because he looked back and saw the good that happened because of them doing what they did to him. So because of that realization, he could forgive them. Because of the realization of what Jesus did for us, we can look at that and draw strength on that and say, you know what, whatever happened to me, I can forgive you because the Lord forgave me for my sins against him. I can forgive you for your sins against me. And that's how that thing plays out. If you don't let out that way, you're going to be bitter for, against people for a long time. It'll ruin you. It'll heat you up. You have to look to Christ as your example of forgiving people, right or wrong. Now, I I know I know how we how how it is. You don't know what happened. I cannot forgive him. 
I cannot forgive her. You don't know what happened. And you're a Christian. You know what the problem is? It's not that they did something wrong towards you. They did. But the problem is with you. You don't appreciate God's forgiveness on you. Therefore, you cannot forgive them. Remember that parable Jesus gave about the man who owed Jesus a lot of money? The parable? And he forgave him? And that very same guy who was relieved of uh, $3,360 million, he could not forgive somebody who owed him $5. He threw him in prison. And that man who's forgiven a big amount, who could not forgive someone of a small amount, he was chastised and throw him in prison because you're ungrateful. That's the same thing. Oh, what do we step into today? We all have feelings, ladies and gentlemen. It's a great feeling to be relieved of the guilt of sin and the, the, the penalty of sin. It's a great feeling to know that we are forgiven. And it's necessary for us to forgive others too that have wronged us. Now, I'll end by saying this. I did say I'll end, but I didn't mean it. Um, I'll end by telling you this. We're prone to not want to forgive because we think, yeah, they're not really sorry. Am I right? Yeah, they're not really sorry. Yeah, they're not really repentant. How can I forgive him? Or we'll say to ourselves, I cannot forgive that person because they're just making fun of me if I forgive them. You feel like they're taking advantage of you. Those two feelings are very real. Those two feelings are very, very real. We won't forgive people because of those two kinds of feelings that we have. But what is the issue here? The issue is you forgive because the Lord forgave you. Is it not true that the Lord takes the vengeance and he knows how to straighten things out? Is that not true? But we don't want to feel like we're being taken advantage of. Now, if someone stole from me, I'm real cautious by him barring from me again. I'm going to tell him, no. <laughs> no way. Oh, no, please, please. I, I promise you. Now, I might bend and say, yeah, but I'm going to say, no. You know what? You fooled me once, you're not going to fool me again. So that's a no. Yeah, I'm not going to be foolish and, and let myself be in a position of being defrauded again. Mm -mm. So I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being open to being defrauded of anything. You have to be careful. But people are going to always offend and defraud and cheat and go against and do against. And it's going to hurt you. Gonna, and if you're not careful, you're going to be eaten up. You'll be a sour Christian. And you're not really Christ-like in your forgiveness. What can I say? Maturity growing in Christ means facing that. Means being like that too. So, thank God that we are forgiven for Christ's sake. God looks at me, you're clean, you're good, everything's good between us. Oh, it's so good. Right now, my wife's over there. I'm over here. You ask her. You talk to her. Say, how is your relationship to your husband? She's going to say, it's good. But it's only because we have learned to forgive each other. It's an ongoing, we're a work in progress. <laughs> I'm a work in progress. Uh, I don't want to get too personal, but I'm pretty transparent. I get my feelings all the time, and you know it's against my wife sometimes. But we'll work it out, okay? You do too, toward others. You work it out too. Okay, go to sleep tonight with a with a clean slate, with a good feeling. I don't want to make you repeat anything, but I'm going to tell you, 
It's a great thing to be forgiven by God, to know it. It's a great thing to be forgiven and to know it by other people. And it's a great thing to forgive someone. It's a great feeling. They may not appreciate it, but for you, it should be a great feeling and you should do that. And if you can make corrections so and take steps so that the transgression doesn't happen again, even better. Put locks in your door, locks in your gate so you don't get robbed again. Do what you gotta do. Should not be cheated again. But you do have to forgive. I just can't I I, I just can't bring myself up to to ending. I want to tell you some more, but I gotta stop. Lord, thank you for your word. And we pray that you help us to practice what the Bible says. Some things are harder to practice than other things. Some things are easier than other things. Forgiveness is a hard thing to do sometimes. It's so personal. It is so, so personal. It's so hard sometimes to forgive somebody that has transgressed against us. But we just got to go back and think what you did for us and how we have been forgiven of all of our sins. And so we need to face up to things as a Christian ought to not hold bad feelings and grudges and bitterness against people. Not want to hate them because they wronged us. <clears throat> Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.